Let's get out of seat. So I grew up in a really small town. Some of you probably grew up in small towns. My town was small. Um, it, it was so small. That, that's when you were supposed to. Thank you very much. That's when that, that, was, that was your cue, and we missed it. But that's okay. We'll work on it later. Um, it was so small. When I graduated high school, um, we had three stoplights in the entire county, okay? And that's what it was. We, we have a few more now, but not a lot. We've got a few more cows But besides that. But uh, it was a small town. My grandfather was the pastor of one of the small town churches um, by all accounts, it was probably a medium-sized church for the area, but it was still relatively small, uh, definitely for Coastal's perspective. And I, my grandfather was the pastor, and so I was technically a preacher's kid, okay, you know, by default, a couple generations down, which meant two things for me. One, it meant that I had to sit on the front row, okay? That was the important, you know, you had to be up there on the front row. The second thing was is I had better not make any noise, all right? And I usually did pretty good at that because my grandmother sat on one side of me and my mother sat on the other side. So I usually was pretty much held in check. Um, however, I had a good friend of mine, not always, okay? You know, he sat three rows back on the left. And one morning, the whispers started getting a little louder. The rustling was a little bit noisier. You could tell things, people were moving, things were just kind of happening until it escalated to the point where everybody knew that something was getting ready to happen. And I looked back and there's my friend's dad with my friend's hand and the dad had the look. You know the look, okay? And he was leading him out of the church. And as they were walking to the back of the church, they were getting ready to go through the doors. My little buddy just at the top of his lungs yelled out, pray for me, pray for me. <laughs> so... Well, I'm not Pastor Sean, um, nor am I his better and much younger looking brother. Um, I am Josh Schwarting. I am the director of student ministries here at Coastal, which means I get to hang out with your 6th through 12th graders on a weekly basis. And I just want to say thank you for that on behalf of myself and my team, uh, all of my great leaders. You know, I just want to thank you for giving us that opportunity each week. Um, and it is exciting. And one of the things that, that, that's my personality trait is I just kind of get fired up, okay? You know, some people are morning people. Some people are evening people. Some people are late at night people. I'm what's called a momentum person, okay? It doesn't matter the time of day, but you get me rolling, you better watch out, okay? And so I've already had done this once today, so be careful. We're starting to roll, okay? Which means there's going to be more spit flying, okay? There's going to be more jumping up and down. There's just going to be a lot more happening. So we're going to go on a little ride together um, uh, based on that. Because, you know, the thing is, is um, if I get going too long, Joel's going to take me off the stage. So that's okay. So that's not a problem. Um, last week, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday. We celebrated Easter. And I think that's, that's awesome. But, you know, like Joel said in the very beginning, the question is, what do we do with that? And so today, I really want to take us on a, on, a, on a look at the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And we're going to take a look at one little portion of it. Um, but, but one of my pet peeves is that sometimes preacher dudes take stuff out of context, okay? So I encourage you this week to read the entire book of Acts, okay? If that seems too daunting, read second chapter of Acts, okay? Um, read that this week. Um, recognize the context. Rock, recognize what's going on in that book. But we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 2, um, verses 37 through 42. So if you've got a Bible, please turn there. If not, there's one in front of you, beside you, um, just turn to that, as I will. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation, so that those, received, those who received his words were baptized, and they were added, to that, added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time that we're going to give to you, uh, a chance for us to take a look at your word and to see what it means to us. Uh, most importantly, Lord, what it means to us after the resurrection. What does it mean um, for us to be about your work? So, Lord, to give this time to you. These things I pray in Jesus' name. So these words that Peter said were, here's the stage what's going on, okay? The resurrection has happened. Easter has happened. And Jesus died, was put in the grave. There are no bones in the grave, he rose again. He walked on this earth for 40 days teaching and showing and like teleporting from all over the place, okay? And then he was taken up and then the disciples were there and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And then a day came that we know as the day of Pentecost, a day that was a fulfillment of another promise that Jesus had given, a fulfillment that says, I'm going to send to you a helper. And that helper is going to be in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came down. And when it came down and it filled up the apostles, they started teaching. And at that time, there were people from all over the known world that had gathered all different languages. And not only were they teaching, they were teaching in the language of those people so they could hear it. That's pretty exciting stuff. And like all good leaders, when there's a crowd and people are pumped, Peter said, give me the mic. <laughs> and he started preaching. And that's where we find Acts chapter 2. We find that he's preaching the word of God. He's preaching Jesus to these folks. And we see the result is that 3,000 people were, were saved. But, you know, unlike the quiet, no noise allowed, no moving around church that I was a part of, Peter was filled with excitement. He was filled with passion. He was filled with energy that was just infectious. And the message of Jesus spread like wildfire. That gigs me up, man. See, I grew up playing sports. And uh, one of the things that coaches drilled into my head was, son, you need to practice like you're going to play. Okay? If you practice with no heart, you're going to play with no heart. All right? So I heard that over and over. Now I'm a coach. <laughs> Guess what I tell my boys? Son, you got to practice like you're going to pray, okay? If you don't practice with any heart, you're not going to play with any heart. As believers, we need to do the same thing. Amen. Peter right here, is he, is he is putting into practice the energy and the excitement in which the message of Jesus Christ is, and he is putting it out there and saying, this is what it's supposed to look like on a daily basis. This is what it's supposed to feel like. This energy, this excitement, that's where it's at. It's not sit on down and be quiet. It's all about being excited. It's all right to get excited. But see, Peter was not, he was not boring. He was not stagnant. He was not, now you people really ought to, no, no, he was fired up. He was fired up. But the question is, well, where did that yeah, these crazy things happen, but really, truly, what is, the, what is the root? Where did it come from? Well, I left out a verse for you. Verse 36 that happens before we read. So let's take a look at verse 36. It says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, 
this Jesus whom you crucified. That's it. That's where it came from. It came from the fact that there was a promise and it was fulfilled and Peter was motivated. He was moved by this fulfillment of this promise. The fact that God said, I need to send you somebody. I need to send you my son. And he did. And everything he said that needed to happen from hundreds of years back happened. That's where the excitement, that's where the motivation comes from. Because you see, God had a plan. God had a plan from the beginning of time. When this earth was just whatever it was, okay? When this world was just whatever it was, God had a plan. He laid it out. He knew it. That's weird to think about, isn't it? Because what that means to me is that when those moments where it's dark, where it's scary, those moments where it's just mountaintop experiences, where I'm just filled with elation and excitement, where it was tough, where it's easy, God is in control of all of that. It's all part of his plan. There is a verse in, in, in Colossians, the book of Colossians, that said, I have assigned you where you are. That means that I am part of his plan because he has put me where I am. And being a part of that plan, man... You know, his promises do come true. You know, when I was first married, my wife and I, we, um, we were married really, really young. Um, no, we were not from West Virginia, but uh, we, are, uh, we did live in Upper East Tennessee, which is really close. Uh, I was 21. She was 19. We were married, having a kid. There were moments at 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm curled up in the corner of my little $270 a month apartment saying, God, this is hard. This is tough. Is this really where you want me? God, I don't, I don't understand. I don't. But it was the fact that in those moments that I was assured of his promise to me. I was assured that his plan had that promise in it for me and that that's what got me up off of the floor. Let me go back, lay down with my wife, wake up the next morning and go to work and to be the best I could be. And that promise, that promise is his son, Jesus Christ. But to think about that, he has a plan for us. Man, it's just mind boggling. Plan for you, plan for me. But that promise of Jesus Christ, that promise of, that he is the sacrifice for, for my broken world, for your broken world, for our broken world. The fact that he is the sacrifice once and for all, that it's done, finished, that he laid his life down, that he chose to do that. Let me tell you something. That, that, that moves this old boy to, to tears sometimes. I joke with Jeff Stroud, call him Newport News Waterworks, okay? But man, this... This gets, me, this gets me choked up. The fact that the person who, who chose to put his life down for me, that, that chose to, to rain light on my life, and when I try to push away that light, that I want to run to the darkness, that he still did that for me. He still did that for me. It just gets me. It moves me to tears. Long time ago, there was a movie that came out called Armageddon, if you remember it, a Bruce Willis movie. Um, those who don't know it, big asteroids getting ready to crash into Earth, blow us all up. Some astronauts decide to land on this rock, blow it up, so we save the world, okay? Spoiler alert, the main character dies, okay? But as he's dying, <laughs> but as he's getting ready to die, he talks about his daughter, and he talks about the world, and his friends, and his family, and he laid his life down for them. And I'm sitting there in the movie theater, <laughs> I'm just blubbering. 
And I went with a buddy of mine, and we were like buddy, buddy movie watching, you know, like there's a chair between us, okay? All right? So I'm over here, and I'm just, I'm heaving, okay? And he's over there, and, you know, and we get out of the movie, like, what do you guys want to, what do you want to eat? You know, let's go somewhere. And I'm, and I'm, I mean, it's awful. But that was fake. That was made up. That was imaginary. My Jesus is real. His sacrifice moves me to tears. It moves me to tears of remorse for the sin nature that I carry. It moves me to tears because in spite of that, he chose to lay his life down for me. It moves me to tears. You know, and Jesus, Jesus knew physically that he could not be with his believers. But he knew that he was going to be able to give them something. He sent his power down in the form of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you again. He sent his power down. That means that a little piece of God lives inside of those who believe him. Jesus' power lives inside of us. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing right there when you really start to think about that. He's our helper. He's our encourager. Man, I, I don't know about you, but that just sometimes I just, I'm walking around up here because I'm just like, that's what I'm talking about, Jack, you know? That is, that it gets me pumped up. It gets me pumped up because that's the fuel that allows me to be a part of his great story. The book of the Acts, what that is, is it's being a part of the story. That's the energy. That's the fuel. That's where it gets from. It's all allows me to be a part of it. And oh, by the way, Peter's energy that, that he tapped into, 3,000 people came to know the Lord Jesus that day. That's pretty fired up, okay? On Wednesday nights, I get to come up here. I don't stand up here on Wednesday nights because... I don't know whether I'm allowed to or not. I don't know. It feels weird. So I stand down here, okay? And we have between 60 and 80 students come here on Wednesday nights. And I just, I, we have a good time. And, you know, there's all, if there's ever ceiling tiles knocked out and you're like, what? Is, that's me. I'm sorry, okay? We, we fix it relatively quickly, all right? But, but I get fired up so much so my wife can tell you that, that Wednesday nights, a lot of times midnight, 1 o'clock before I come rolling into bed because I am jacked. Even though I had to have that tough conversation with that kid. Even though I had to deal with some girl drama, okay? <laughs> Even though I had some leader going off the handle saying, well, let's go do... No, we're not going to... You know, I get jacked because I know Jesus is going to show himself to them. I know that Jesus is going to shine through. I get fired up about that stuff, man. I draw energy from the power that he's given me. So much so, I sometimes I just can't stop smiling. You know, smiling's my favorite, okay? <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's good stuff. But you know, where does, what, is, what does excitement and passion look like in this world? Well, as a demonstration, I'm going to show you this video, but um, let me set the stage for this video. I, I, in North Carolina, I lived in North Carolina for several years uh, in the town of Wilson. It's, pronoun it's pronounced with a T, but it's spelled with an L. Don't ask me. I don't know. I didn't grow up there. That's just what it is. I eat their barbecue, love their people. That's all it is. Um, but there was a little uh, Division II college there called Barton College. Some may know it as Atlantic Christian. Um, they had a really good basketball team. The head basketball coach, Ron Levensee, was in part of our, our church. We had old school Sunday school. He's part of my Sunday school class. Great guy. I love him still. Phone number in my phone. So, okay. Um, his team had the opportunity uh, to go and play in the national tournament. And they made it to the Elite Eight one in 2006, and they got beat by a school called Winona State, who went on, I think it was 57-58 win streak or something like that. Well, the following year, we met them again, 
in the tournament, but in the championship game. Let's take a look at this. 25 points, you can tack on one more here with a free throw, 45.6 left on the clock. And if he tacks on that one more here, Ian, it makes it very, very difficult for Barton with only 45 seconds left. And he nails it. And now you have to score and score quickly, and Atkinson's the guy you'd like to get to the basket. Atkinson, spin move, Henderson, let him go by, and he gets the bucket. Well, the two in that situation doesn't really hurt you. What really does hurt you is the fact that Zach Malvick makes his free throws. Absolutely. <laughs> and nice job by Winona State to get the ball into Malvick's hands, but you look up and down their roster, not really much to choose from in terms of fouling. The worst free throw, sh free throw shooter out there is John Smith at 63%, but that's only because he started the year so poorly. He shot in the 40s in November and December, and he's been over 70 since the turn of the year, but Malvik has been outstanding all season long. 35.5 remaining. 74-69, Winona State. They have won a Division II record 57 straight games. Malvik misses at the line and it's rebounded by Leggett. Final 30 seconds, Atkinson. Pull up, pop, book it. 23 for Atkinson. Heist and the ball! Going by! Unbelievable! Atkinson is fouled! And a chance to tie it! Incredible! Now, Iron, this is the way Barton has lived throughout this tournament. A little bit of a lazy pass by Henderson. Frails gets the ball. Atkinson knocks it home. You talked about Atkinson making plays. My heavens. 82% shooter, the biggest one of his career right now. Short. And controlled by Winona State, a foul with 19.4. Anthony Atkinson, they would not be here without his play throughout this tournament. But a free throw with an opportunity to tie, and he comes up short. Even if Flowers makes both of these free throws, however, it's only a three-point game. Flowers. Well, oh, he missed it badly. Chante Flowers. He's a 75% free throw shooter on the year. Second one. He knocks it down. Well, now you don't have to go for the three, and Winona State has to be very careful because you don't want to foul in this situation. Atkinson, 10 seconds left, down by two. The drive, reverse, oh, what a play! Anthony Atkinson has tied it up. Four seconds left, Melvick, still alive! He's got time! Atkinson, layup, good! Good! Woo! Anthony Atkinson. That's what I'm talking about! Come on, give me a little bit of pile, man! That's it right there, come on! That's what I'm talking about, they did it! Woo! Man! All right! That's kind of what I looked like that day. You know, there was about 100 plus of us at our church watching that TV show, screen like this. Man, that went on for hours, okay? So... I was a little bit more younger, a little bit more in, you know, in shape, so I could run around and do cartwheels and stuff. 
question I ask is, that was just a moment. That was temporal. That was just an instant. And we celebrate that with fervor, with excitement, with energy that leaves us out of breath. Why don't, why don't we celebrate the Lord and what he has done for us with that same, that same energy? I think King David, King David kind of got it right a little bit. You know, even with all his faults and his fears, he understood, he understood God's plan, his promise, and his power. And so we're going to take a look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 21, 22. So here's the setting for the story here. David's talking to King Saul's daughter, the former King Saul, his daughter. She saw him dancing, very little clothes on, <laughs> dancing in celebration of what God was doing. And some girls of the court saw him, and she was confronting him, saying, how dare you do this? And this is David's response. David said to Michael, it says, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from this house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these, these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. We have to get a little undignified sometimes in order to celebrate the Lord. That's just kind of the part of it, you know? Because, see, those young men at that basketball game, those young men and those coaches who, who I love dearly, but man, that was, that was eight years ago. <laughs> they moved on. But their actions, their play on the court, it told a story. It told a story. But the thing is, is we need to fall in love, not with the storytellers. We need to fall in love with the story. We need to fall in love with the story. And see, King David, he was in love with the story of God. He was celebrating with excitement and passion the plan, the promise, and the power of the story of God and the fact that God was using him as a part. Because, see, David recognized that the plan of God was that he was to be king. He recognized that he had blessed him, okay, through his promise. His promise was to bless him. And he gave him the Ark of the Covenant, which was a sacred element of the time, which power was drawn from that Ark. And David celebrated. He showed excitement and passion. So maybe we should. Maybe we should celebrate just a little bit more undignified. Keep your clothes on, though. So when we do this, what does it look like? Well, it can look very dangerous. Because our family, our friends, and our finances usually get involved. You know, you, you usually end up coming to a point where you talk to your family about things, and they're like, really? You're crazy. Are you, are you serious? That's what you're doing? And we talk to our friends, and our friends say the same thing, but they're usually a little nicer about it. Usually they're like, hmm, that's nice. <laughs> then they just stop calling, okay? You know, next thing you know, you're unfriended on Facebook. <laughs> and our finances, you know, we're, you know our, our finances, anytime we talk about money, we always get like, we... Start to squeeze up just a little bit. 
But it's like, you're going you're gonna to give what? You're going to give how much money? How, you're going to spend your money this summer going where? <laughs> to do what? It becomes a little dangerous. Because you see, it's sort of like this right here. It's sort of like a, like a cliff. Because you stand at, and I've done this before, okay? Now I was, I was tethered to bungee cords, so it's okay. All right, but you stand there on this cliff on a precipice and you're looking down. You partly want to throw up, partly want to run, but your heart is racing. You're excited. You don't know what that next moment holds. You don't know what's going to feel like. You don't know what it's going to be like. You don't know what you're going to experience. And you're right there. And it's your choice. That's what God does to us. That's the danger. We're standing right there and God is saying, this is what I want you to do. Will you take that step? Will you move forward? And our heart gets, our heart races. We get a little nervous. We want to throw up. (laughs) But we have to choose to jump. That's the undignified. But see, when I'm standing on that, when I'm standing right there, there is no way in my, it doesn't make any sense to make us jump, right? So where does it come from? It comes from the fact that God has given me a little piece of him. He's given me power. He's given me an energy cell that says, go, let's go. I'm here. I'm your helper. I got you. I got your back. And it's from that energy that I'm able to move forward through the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Our actions need to be sacrificial. Our actions need to be sacrificial. You know, because it, it, it means not looking like everybody else, you know, transforming ourselves, being made new. And you're thinking, how is that sacrificial? Well, it is because we want to hang on to who we are. We want to hang on to the comfortableness of something, you know. And when we say, you know what, God, shape me, mold me, that's sacrifice. Because, Jack, I don't want anybody messing with the TV remote, okay? And so when I give that up, that's a little bit of me sacrificing, okay? This is way more than that. Because I can let go of the TV remote. But there's things about me that I hang on to, and I hang on to tight. But the sacrifice that I make by living undignified is that I take those pieces, and I hand them to God, and I say, here, take them. Use them. Use them. Because see, the thing is, is that transformation, I recognize the fact that if I, if I give sacrificially, if I give myself sacrificially, then where am, where am I going to get my nourishment from? Well, guess what Jesus said? That I am the bread of life. He's going to feed me. You know, he said, if you drink of me, I'm the living water. And in John, he says that I am the life. And so all of that, if I pour that stuff into me, then there is no sacrifice because the stuff that I get rid of is filled right back up. Because if all I ate was bananas and granola, I would look a lot different, okay? (laughs) But if I feed myself with Jesus, I'm going to look a lot different. I'm going to look a lot different. Our actions must be continuous. We've got to have an internal perspective. We've got to move past this moment. We've got to constantly be thinking of other people. That's what we've got to do. Because you see, God had, he had us. He had you, had me in mind when he laid out his eternal plan. And if we, if we think about the moment, if we get hung up in this moment, then we get stopped. There is no continuous. We get mired. We get stuck in the mud right there. And we can think of, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. And we can think of a lot of I'm nots. 
when that prevents us from celebrating, being just a, a little bit more undignified. And it prevents us from worshiping and glorifying our God. So how do we get to the point of excitement and passion? Well, I think it comes down to one word, and that one word is found in, in John chapter 6, verses 28 through 29. It says, Then they said to him, the they is the apostles, and the hymn was Jesus said, said, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Belief. That's the word. That's how we get fired up. That's how we get excited. You know, see, because you've got to first believe, you've got to first believe and, and recognize and realize the enormity of God. You've got to recognize the pureness of God, the holiness, the righteousness, all those church words of God. The fact that God is so clean, he is so pure, and those are just the words we as humans use because we can't really grasp it, is the fact that he is so pure that when he cannot allow sin to come near him, okay, because he cannot be tarnished, he will not allow himself to be tarnished. And that is the magnitude and the glory, that, that is the awesomeness of God. We have to recognize that. That's the first thing we have to believe. We've got to believe that's true. And then you got to come to the recognition, I ain't. I ain't pure. I am not clean. I am not. I am not. That's what we've got to recognize. We've got to recognize that is the fact that there is nothing that I can do. There is nothing that I can say. There is nothing that I can buy. There is nothing that I can have. There is nothing I can give that will make me clean enough and pure enough to be in the sight of God. Nothing. There's nothing. And from that, we have to cry out and say, what's next? How do I do this? And then we have to believe in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. We have to believe that God sent his son Jesus as the fulfillment of the promise. You've got to believe that Jesus is both Lord and Christ, that his sacrifice once and for all was the cleansing to make our dirty, filthy selves look spotless in the sight of God so he can say, come on in. That's it. That is what we have to believe in. Because see, this belief gives you power, gives us power gives us desire and ability to be just truly excited. I mean, I mean, motivated to the point where all of our actions, all of our gifts, all the things we do to serve others is an overflowing of that love and of that excitement. Here's the thing. Anytime you're looking in the Bible and there's a verse or something that says, you need to do this. And you're like, that's a do statement, okay? I challenge you to keep reading because there are very few do statements in the Bible if any, that you cannot come back to the fact that the only way you can do them is because of this, because of understanding who Jesus is, understanding what that is. And oh, by the way, the only way I can do it is I got to recognize who Jesus is. And the only way to recognize who Jesus is is the fact that I need him, which means that I am absolutely dirty. And when you recognize that you are absolutely dirty, you do that because you've recognized the glory and the magnitude and the awesomeness of who God is. That's where it gets, I mean, that's where I get my motivation from. You know, each day, and I do this, I'm not super spiritual or nothing, okay? I don't always listen to K-Love, all right? But this is something I try to do each day, all right? This is something I try to do each day. 
is I try to, I try to sit there and, and I think about the power that lives inside of me, the little piece of God that he gave me, the Holy Spirit. Man, I get excited because I think that in my weakness, that's what's going to sustain me. That's what's going to get me going through this day. All that stuff on my to-do list, all that hard stuff I got planned, that's what's going to give me the energy. And I get excited about that. I get fired up. I sometimes laugh out loud, okay? Yeah, that's weird. I do it, okay? Confess. And then I sit there and I think, man, Jesus did this for me. And from that, I start to sometimes I get a little choked up, get a little emotional, you know? Because I recognize two things. I recognize the fact that I have a, I have a terrible sin nature, and that burdens my heart. But I also get choked up because of that sin nature. Jesus gave his life for me, and I get a little choked up. And then I think about the enormity of God. I think about the fact that he is, he is so big, and his plan included me from the beginning of the formation of this earth. Man, I think about that, and my mind goes, I mean, it's just, talk to some of my students. When I start talking about that aspect, it's like, you know, it's like mind mess. I mean, it's just crazy stuff going on, okay? Former basketball coach Jim Valvano, who coached NC State, um, as he was dying of cancer, he gave a speech, and he says, if you laugh, if you cry, and if you think every day, that's a full day. Well, that's what those three things are. I'm just feeling Jesus in there. I'm thinking about him. I'm crying about him. I'm excited about him. That's a full day. It's a super full day. But you know what? Even with that, even as believers, even those who called on Jesus, who have the belief, we still struggle. And here's how you do. Here's what we do is we walk around all day long with our fists clenched like this and our arms tucked in, you know. This is how we walk around because we're holding our stuff. We're holding our mess. We're holding our secrets. We're holding our whatever. I don't know about you, but it don't feel real good to get excited and clap my hands like this. <laughs> All right? You got to let go. You got to let go of it. You got to allow your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to grab it and take it from you. So at that point, then you are free to celebrate. That's it. You are free to be excited and to be motivated. Because the story, the story of Jesus should be so exciting it should be so exciting that we cannot contain it. We cannot contain it with ourselves, and we cannot contain it within this world. Because everything from that point, as we love, as we give, and as we serve others, it's all about that. That's the root of it all. That passion, that excitement comes from the story of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for all that he has done for me. I thank you for all that he has done for everyone. As the verse says, for those people far off. God, we get, we get pumped about lots of things. We get excited. And I, and I pray that we will continue to use you as the motivation for that excitement. And as, and as, we, as we move forward next week into a time of celebrating what's, what's to come here in the life of Coastal, what has happened in Coastal, and as we, as we stand on that cliff, as we are looking forward and saying, God, is this what you have us to do with our, our Beyond campaign? God, I pray that we will, we will think about that just a little bit. We will think about what it is that your plan is for us. The fact that you keep your promises and the fact, oh, by the way, you give us power to achieve them. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And all these things we pray in his name. Amen.
This is our offertory time. Guys, if you are a visitor with us, we thank you for being here. Uh, everything we've just done is a gift to you, so we're not asking for anything in return. Um, but, that, you know, but, every, but here at Coastal, that's how we worship, is one of our worships. Um, but if you are a visitor, please tell a little tear-off part on the bulletin. We'd love to have that so Pastor Sean can write you a little thank you note for coming today. Um, if you guys want to do business with Jesus, if there's something that you know, your heart is stirred about or you have to want to talk to somebody, there's going to be people up here on the front in purple shirts, and you'd be glad to ask you to come forward and talk to them. Um, thank you for being with us today, and thank you for sharing your students with me. Let's stand and continue singing.